Hello, this is Beyond the Bell with WASTA, Wisconsin's hub for professional development for anyone working in out-of-school time programs and youth-serving organizations. It's our mission to help you provide the highest quality care to children and their families. If you wish you had an extra tool going into programming to help guide behaviors in a productive way, wish you knew more about how to provide the whole family with support, or you want to enhance your own well-being, then this is the home for you. We know what it's like to feel like you never have enough time or resources to meet everyone's needs, and we're here to support you through the challenges. Stay tuned as we explore new ideas and strategies that you can use right away. Rachel Sharon, Health Educator with Marshfield Clinic Health System Center for Community Health Advancement and Wisconsin Out-of-School Time Alliance. We're excited you're listening today to our conversation with Dr. Kelsey Offenwanger. Dr. Offenwanger is a clinical psychologist with Marshfield Health System. She's licensed in Illinois and Wisconsin, and she works with families and caregivers of children and adolescents who experience behavior difficulties, social and emotional challenges, and developmental concerns. Dr. Offenwanger participates on multidisciplinary teams across the clinic system, and she provides evidence-based interventions to after-school programs. She's joining us today to consider ways to achieve balance when it comes to technology. Welcome, Dr. Offenwanger. Thank you for having me. With the uptick in mental health concerns for youth, along with the rise in the time spent on social media and with other technologies, it's sometimes hard not to take an approach that eliminates the use of technology in our programs outside of the school day. However, our world is going to continue to operate in and around virtual spaces. So are there ways that technology can be used to enhance mental well-being? Technology can absolutely be used in ways to enhance mental well-being. This can come in the form of self-care and relaxation, structured wellness programs, mental well-being apps, and now evidence-based interventions in the form of an app. However, studies also show that there's not convincing evidence that the use of any such app resulted in significant improvement in symptoms when compared to improved functioning when meeting with a mental health provider in person. You're saying that it can be used as a tool to help support. We would never want to replace an actual in-person connection with a provider, but that these tools can be used to supplement or help along someone's journey. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. They can definitely be used to enhance that mental well-being and sense of personal satisfaction and happiness. So are there specific apps or tools that you suggest that caregivers and kids use? There are a lot of different apps out there for all ages, and thankfully with the use of technology, we can also dive a little deeper into finding out which one may be best for our child, ourselves, or our family. Uh, And they also can be used together, which is pretty cool. So the benefit of having technology and being around other people definitely has its strengths on those. There's also websites that are out there that show the evidence base for different apps. Some of them that I think could be really helpful to start off um, is parental monitoring apps. So we want to be mindful of what our kids are exposed to in different areas, and Aura and Bark are examples of those. There's physical activity apps, such as something that you can sync with a potential Apple Watch, a smartwatch, a Fitbit. There's also MyFitnessPal, which can be used to have goals among family members. You can have competitions to track each other's steps, share encouragement along the way, and have nice challenges while noticing what type of physical activity you're doing. There's also coping apps for a variety of different ages. So there's the Finch app for younger kids that can help them learn self-care and calming while taking care of a little bird. There's also Mood Fit where you can track your mood over time. Or the Worry Watch, which can really say how much time are we spending with worrying, along with fun strategies to combat that. There's calming apps out there. One thing I think is really cool for all ages is the Heart Rate app. And while it's not necessarily a well-being app, 
we can use it a lot to say, what is our heart rate at that moment and how we can actually see it lower by then pairing it with deep breathing um, or another calming strategy. There's also one that we may not think of as necessarily well-being, but the reminder are those productivity apps. I use the reminder app at home because what's nice is you could set it to a particular location to remind you of doing something. So for example, if we need a permission slip to sign when we get home and the kids get out of the car, we can have it set to when we pull into our driveway, that reminder goes off. We can have a reminder for the kids to walk the dog, maybe on a smartwatch that they have, calling someone, or even hanging up our coats and backpacks when we get home. I love some of these specific examples because in the out-of-school time arena, we always talk about this idea of scaffolding, and so many of the things you mentioned also address other things that we want to teach our kids. So we might be modeling some really healthy use of technology, and then at the same time, we're helping them monitor something related to their emotions, if it's their heart rate, or even something science-related. There's some aspects of that in health and wellness, so how these could be used in multiple different ways, and it's not necessarily something extra but it's something that we could all use to kind of help us get where we want to go anyways. Absolutely. Great. So what are some ways that programs and caregivers can model and then help youth practice productive technology use? When thinking about modeling, I often talk about how usually adults are kids' first models of technology use. So I think we really need to be mindful of how often we are using it. When are we using it? How are we using it? Um, So that's, I think, the first step because kids often mirror us in what we do. Um, We can then share this so they can be aware of the many uses it can provide. So yes, we may be playing a game on our phone, but it also can be used for other things. So I like to think of technology or a phone, iPad as a tool that you could use. We can do it to check in on other people to see how they're doing. We could look up a recipe to help make dinner. We can talk about how it could be used to find a video to fix something. I've had a kid talk about how it's really enhanced their musical skills, especially from the pandemic and now moving forward of being able to watch videos on YouTube of learning the piano and learning different instruments. And they've come pretty proficient, which is pretty neat. There's also those calming ways too, where we can use it to help regulate our breathing um, and have examples of someone kind of breathing in and out or watching an image breathe in and out too, where you could do that together as a family in an after school program or within the classroom. So a lot of what you're talking about, Dr. O, is kind of almost highlighting or supplementing what we're already doing. So someone's already working on their music lessons and then using technology to just kind of expand that area of interest and how that's also another healthy example of how we want kids using technology. So there's some like real life and tactical things going on so that they're using the screen, but not necessarily only using the screen. Exactly. There can be a balance. All right. One of the underlying themes and conundrums that we hear is that despite youth being more connected than ever, they feel more isolated and disconnected than ever before. So what are some specific strategies we can implement to help kids get grounded, whether it's in nature, with one another, or with their families and their communities? I think it's really important, and it's a great question that deserves a lot of attention. And it can be individualized between different programs, families, or other group settings. But coming up with a plan. So sometimes people are familiar with what they may call like a sensory diet. So what are our sensory needs? There's also been terminology um, and studies that show a screen time diet. So again, it's not saying that screens are bad or we shouldn't be on them, but it's saying, okay, yes, we have some screen time and we still are getting some other things built into that schedule. We know that being outside in nature for even five minutes can help reduce our stress 
and help us have a sense of calm. 30 minutes per day really tends to improve our mood, especially for kids who may have ADHD. It shows that they have a tendency to then increase their focus and attention the more they are outside and transferring those skills inside. So I think when we're really looking at these areas, you know, social media apps are also being asked to implement additional measures to combat these increasing trends of potential low self-esteem, low self-confidence. There's a study that was recently posted that had 27,000 youth participate that talked about trying to delay some access to screens or smartphones for children, given that their brains are still developing. So I think a lot of these areas, again, it's not an all or nothing, but saying how do we monitor? And if we are introducing different screens, what else are we having in there? And making sure we're not taking it away from something that they may need to help connect. But ultimately, I think what we're doing, you know, we're also asking our kids is pretty hard. So we need to focus on our self-monitoring skills, our executive functioning skills. We need to be able to provide some alternative options and ideas. And when I think it comes down to and thinking about three specific strategies to really help us stay grounded, I would try in that nature, physical activity, being outdoors. What are some self-care and positives? What things make us feel good? And that engagement piece, whether it's with a dog, whether it's outside, or whether it's with our friends, colleagues, coworkers, or family. So this is a really great start to start thinking about how we use technology to our advantage and to promote health. And it's reassuring to know that we don't have to eliminate it altogether. I'm wondering, because I think we can all think of that kid that it will be really hard to take that first step and get out the door or to take that first step in engaging with a peer again. What do you recommend in those really extreme situations? How do we just help nudge somebody along? Oh, Wade? to think how nudge someone along in those extreme situations is taking those gradual steps, those tiny steps. So we don't expect someone to be, you know, the life of the party when there may be some underlying social anxiety or fears. But, you know, how can we even just maybe introduce ourselves to someone with the transition to summertime or over the summer? You know, can we get someone's name or phone number that we may want to connect with? I think of even just sitting outside, can we maybe even just bring our tablet or our phone outside? So maybe we're not necessarily disconnecting, but we're doing it in a place where we could hear the birds, where we can smell the air. So small, gradual steps can go a really long way. And the more that we feel comfortable with those, then slowly building on. And it sounds like those are things that because they're inherently helping our well-being and they feel good, that they will help spark some change too. I'm so glad you mentioned that because oftentimes we'll hear from kids, whether in programs or at home, that, oh, I don't want to go do this. However, once they get there, once they go to that birthday party, once they get outside playing, they usually have such a fun time and they don't want to leave or come back in. So getting to that step can be really tough, but also there's this naturally positively rewarding factor of once we do it, we tend to feel good. And that that sense that we need to establish and feel is that sense of positive reinforcement for doing something that might have been a little scary, but then enjoying ourselves. All right. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us some ideas on just those first steps and getting kids out the door. Thanks, Dr. O. You're welcome. And thank you for listening in. We hope you leave today with a few more tools in your toolbox. Be sure to visit our website and sign up for our emails where we share information about all of our upcoming professional development opportunities.